Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Rest of this show for the rest of the season next year. Really until a year from now. I demand Jay and you, Connor, refer to me as champion or champ. He who wears the crown, I will accept. I just, you know, I just want acknowledgement from you guys. If you guys ever win the championship, I'll refer to you as champ, and you've not done so yet. So, yeah, I'm the champion, and I need you to refer to me as such. I'm happy to be your champion. I promise to rule with uh, fairness and uh, kindness, benevolence. I'll be a benevolent king to all of you, I promise. Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Berry, served by Applebee's. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Happy Hour. I'm Connor Rogers alongside Lawrence Jackson, Jay Croucher. You heard Matthew Berry at the top of the show, or Champ, as he likes to call himself. Uh, it sounds like he took the day off to celebrate his reign. Took his victory lap right into the desert and got lost. Yes. Uh, yeah, no, a lot of vet rest days for uh, for Matthew lately. Some some are calling him uh, Odell Berry Jr. Uh, yep. these days. Raheem Mostert doesn't, doesn't, doesn't practice on Wednesdays anymore. Yeah, yeah. Raheem Mostert. You, I, I did notice in that in in that short clip there, he said you guys should refer to him as champion. I wasn't there, so he didn't say anything no, about me. You don't have to. So I could just still refer to him as. Like, hey, or dude, or hey, what's your name again? Like, so I Pops. don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he is. He's losing his voice a little bit in that clip, too. Yeah, no, uh, yeah so I will not refer to uh, Matthew Berry as champion. He's not my champion because I wasn't even in the bracket. So, you know, double whammy there for him. So I'm good well, on that. I got news for you, Lawrence. I won't be referring to him as champion. <laughs> uh, I, can you, I can assure you of that. Kind of. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, we got a lot to go through today. And if you're still sticking with us, there's a good chance that you're playing this week. You are crazy. You are playing your championship in week 18. We are here for you. And because of that, you drink free today. Fantasy managers in week 18, of course, drink free. And you're probably going to need it because there's a lot to figure out with who's playing, who might be playing a little, who might be playing a lot. And uh, before we get to all of that, we'll do our classic keep it open or close it out at the happy hour bar here uh, with Tua, Derrick Henry, Jordan Addison. We'll go through keep eating good with players like Jordan Love and Jaden Reed on the Packers. And we'll close this thing out with a couple sides and totals that we like early in the week. Even if you're not playing in fantasy, of course, you could still bet on the games. And with that, let's jump into the Roto World player news. For all your player news, go to NBCSports.com. Here are the notable injuries we're tracking with games that matter, games that have something to play for. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey, he's already been ruled out on Monday, so he doesn't make this list. But Trevor Lawrence and Tua Tungabailoa dealing with shoulder injuries. Tua sounds obviously much more promising and more pain tolerance. Devontae Smith with that ankle. T. Higgins with the hamstring injury as well. He left the game in the second quarter against the Chiefs, but he did return in the second half. Devontae Smith is not considered to be major either. Jalen Waddell with the ankle. Waddell is expected to be back for the playoffs, but you most likely will not have him this week. Jaden Reed with a chest injury. Noah Brown with a back injury. Raheem Moster with that knee. A lot of rest for Mostert this season this time of the week, but he didn't play last week, which seemed to be a surprise to just about everybody. Alvin Kamara with the ankle Sam Laporta 
with a knee injury as well. And getting back to Kamara, we got to hear from his head coach, Dennis Allen, basically where he's at going into a pivotal game for the Saints season. Take a listen. Yeah, so he, he sprained his ankle. I think it was on the sideline over there right before, yeah, in the first half, right before the, the end of the half uh, when he got tackled on their sideline over there. You know, kind of came in, got it looked at, came out after half to try to test it out, and uh, look, just didn't feel like he was going to be able to be functional, you know, enough to, to help us win. Do you know that it was not a high ankle sprain then since he I don't know that. I know it's an ankle sprain. I haven't really gotten into all the details as to what it is. Obviously, significant news here around Kamara J. It's not just in fantasy with Kamara for those playing this week, but this game that on the slate does mean something this week. Yeah, it does. I love, we've talked about this before, the changing definition over the years of high ankle sprain. I actually have a high ankle sprain right now, but it's so low that it's not even a sprain anymore. I'm just perfectly healthy. It's fine. Uh, it can be whatever you want. Yes, exactly. Uh, so I guess that Kamara is a chance to play, given that he hasn't been fully ruled out. But no, this is a huge game for the Saints by beating the Bucks last week. They kept their hopes alive of winning the NFC South. I don't know what happened in this game, honestly. Jawan Johnson was running around like 2009 Antonio Gates, uh, and Derek Carr was fantastic. But by doing that, if they beat the Falcons and the Bucks lose to the Panthers in Carolina, then the Saints are your NFC South champion. And you might think, oh, the Bucks, they'll take care of business as a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, sorry, as a five-and-a-half-point favorite over Carolina against the two-and-14 Panthers, but... I mean, they're only five-and-a-half-point favorites, which means right. Carolina are like a 30% chance to win that game. It's not like the Bucks are great, so uh, there's still plenty on the line for New Orleans, so you'd expect that if Kamara can go, he will. Yeah, and it's definitely a need in this game because the Falcons, they have not looked great lately, but they did beat the Saints uh, about a month ago, so you know, you know you could beat them, and if you slip up, especially being only three-point favorites, the Saints, uh, you'll need everything you can get in and out of a Kamara who still has has 1,400 yards from scrimmage despite being, uh, despite missing the earlier part of the season, those three games. So uh, having him in that, having him in that game against Atlanta, who is kind of just kind of limping, the Falcons still have a chance yeah. to get in the playoffs. Right. So, so they'll be playing, they'll be playing hard, whether it be with injured Taylor Heineke, Desmond Ritter, you're going to get the same production out of them anyway. But regardless, they're coming to play, too, because they have an outside shot. And like you said, Jay, it's not like like this is the NFL. It's not like the Panthers are going to just come in and roll over for the Bucks. So if you're the Saints, you got like this. It Any team in the NFC South right now besides the Panthers, your playoffs start in Week 18. Yeah, and it would be fitting if the, pa- if the Falcons did win the division. It oh feels like an 8-9 and nine sub-500 champ. That feels like the poetic ending to this division, which has not been fantastic um, this season. The, the Buccaneers last year uh, right, won at 8-9 with, uh, with uh, Tom Brady. So, you know, the Bucs could end up doing the same thing here. But like, like I said, the Falcons, they, they hanging on by a little thread. But, you know, they're playing this like this is a playoff game, the whole NFC South. So for the Saints, you want to have Alvin Kamara. You want to have him ready to go. As we show the NFC playoff picture here, as you guys have highlighted, that division is basically just the ultimate any given Sunday at this point. Any of those teams could beat any of them, including Carolina, who it's been obviously a brutal year, especially for their young number one overall pick, Bryce Young. But he has had some moments down the stretch. And it's just funny looking at this, Lawrence. 
seeing that, I mean, there's a world where we have an 8-9 and nine division winner and even the last wildcard team can be hanging around at 8-9. and nine. Yeah, and we just, the Bears just got eliminated. Imagine if they would have been able to, uh, to sneak in there. You know, it just goes to show, especially like, you get it to you see the Packers there holding on to that seven seat. It's a it's a fine line between these records. You'll see a team like the Packers who are sitting there, you know, with one win better than an NFC South team, but we don't look at it that way. We look at the Packers as much better uh, than a team like the Saints or the Falcons, but one of those NFC South teams could be in and if the Packers slip up, they could be out. Jay, what is it like on a bookmaker's side of a week like this where, sure, there's games like Dolphins-Bills that literally mean everything. The winner of that wins the AFC East. But the reality is there's a handful of games that there's both teams really with nothing to play for. Look at Jets-Patriots draft status. And then you look at some games where one team could be resting players, but you don't know how much versus another team that you don't know what they'll do. Uh, It's such a volatile situation across the board, but there still has to be lines and totals and props and everything like that. Yeah, no, it's absolute chaos. It's the worst day of the season for a bookmaker, uh, the final uh, Sunday of the NFL season, where you you just don't know what a team's... Uh, what they're going to do with just the amount of playing time. And there's famous examples of Sean McDermott in a meaningless week 18. He played Josh Allen for one quarter, but then pull him. And so can you even yeah. go up with Josh Allen props at that point? Like, are you going to list Josh Allen's passing yards at 88 and a half? Like, yeah, it's just yeah. bizarre. Now, I will say it's a better. This is almost the best weekend of the season because you can study this stuff. There's so much stuff around that just breaks the model. Like, say in that example uh, of Josh Allen being just playing the first quarter, like, you could bet... Bills first quarter money line into right. Dolphins to win the full game or whatever and that's going to break the model of what a bookmaker uh, typically models that out as also there's a lot of stuff in week 18 to around player incentives for instance like DeAndre Hopkins has contract incentives where if he gets I can't remember what the exact number is but it's like 50 yards and 5 receptions he'll get a quarter of a million dollars uh, if Chris Jones if Chris Jones gets a half sack I think he'll get a million dollars like I think these guys are going to go out of their way to do that in a way that skews what the normal performance would be. So uh, it's a fun week from a betting perspective, but very chaotic. And and to your point on that, Jay, you spoke about, you know, get it like taking a Josh Allen first quarter type of bet. Sometimes these coaches, sometimes they won't, and sometimes they will let you know how much a player, a star player is expected to play. They might let you know. From a DFS standpoint, too, you could kind of come up as well. Um, You're looking at the Steelers and Ravens game right here, right? The Steelers are minus three and a half. We, like, if Lamar was playing this game, we know that wouldn't be the line. But take advantage of a quarterback like Tyler Huntley, who could be cheap, and then you just, and then when you sit and think about it, you're like, Tyler Huntley's a backup quarterback who played in a playoff game versus Mason Rudolph, who's a backup quarterback. This game is even. So if you're playing DFS, you could take that a quarterback like Tyler Huntley or maybe Sam Darnold, who might play some, um, and then you just load up on guys from that Buffalo Bills and Miami Dolphins game, and that's how you kind of match it up there. So in DFS, there are some advantages to it. Yep. From a betting perspective, too, one of the most interesting things about this Week 18 is Puka Nakua. Because Puka Nakua is, I believe, four receptions and 29 receiving yards away from baking, breaking both of those rookie records, which have stood for 50-plus years. And so there's stuff that's just going to be skewed because the Rams don't have a great deal to play for in this game. 
So them feeding Puka early just has to be way more in play than your normal game, like Puka to cap, make a, have a reception on this given drive. That kind of stuff, I think, is something that is a product of Week 18. All right, well, let's take a look at the AFC playoff picture as well. Lawrence brought up Steelers-Ravens as one of the uh, pivotal ones at the top here. Not for the Ravens, who, as you said, they'll be, they'll be playing Tyler Huntley, which you could do much worse as a backup quarterback there. This playoff picture looks a lot different here, Lawrence. More wins. Yeah. The division winners all will finish with winning records. And the fact is the wild card teams, the same could be said for them. Besides it being set one through seven, Ravens, Dolphins, Chiefs, Jacksonville, Cleveland, Buffalo, and the Colts, we still have the Texans who played the Colts and the Steelers who played the Ravens, some backups in the hunt as well. It's quite amazing. You look at this AFC North that could possibly have three teams in the division with Joe Burrow being, I'm sorry, three teams from the division in the playoffs with Joe Burrow being hurt. That shows you the strength of that there. And just the AFC as a whole, like you say, uh, all winning records um, and a lot of, you know, a lot of, you know, guys who weren't starting quarterbacks at the beginning of the year. So it just goes to show you um, it's it's a team game. And it'll be interesting to me to see how the how the um, how the Ravens approach this. Um, you don't want to let a division opponent get into the playoffs. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how how long they'll play the starters, if at all, because the Steelers have. They've looked their best so far with Mason Rudolph at quarterback. And then, of course, Joe, you have a game like Colts-Houston where, you know, we'll see how that plays out Saturday and how that could have a trickle effect maybe to a team like Jacksonville on Sunday. So there's also things to watch within a 24-hour window as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think another thing to remember for Week 18 is that particularly for games like Indianapolis-Houston, for both of those teams, that's win or go home. They may not win the division, but they're guaranteed a playoff spot with the win, and they're guaranteed their season over with the loss, is that if guys can go, if there is any way for them to go, they will play. Like, the line moved, uh, it flipped from Colts minus one and a half to Houston minus one yesterday. I think mainly off the Colts injury report with uh, Ryan Kelly, Quentin Nelson, and Braden Smith were all, I think Smith was limited, the other two didn't practice at all. Those three, they all finish the game against the Raiders. And if you finish the game and it's a do-or-die playoff game the next week, you're generally going to play. So all these guys are going to go all out this week. That game's almost a pick em too. You still yep. like the Texans there? I lean Texans just because, look, this is reductive, but CJ Stroud got right. him in right. uh, And I think that Stroud, what, uh, against that As soon as he got back secondary. in the game, they was backfiring off right. on all yeah. cylinders. So you like to see that. Yeah, and I'm a little worried about Minshew. Even if I think those guys will play, Kelly, Nelson, Smith, like they might be banged up against the Houston D-line that is getting a little bit healthier with Will Anderson back, who uh, has made a big move in Defensive Rookie of the Year overnight. And I just worry that Gardner Minshew, like, he needs a good offensive line. You don't want Gardner Minshew in chaos. You want him with a perfect context. Yeah, as much as the man loves to seemingly play in chaos yes, sometimes. Yes, yes. For a, better or for worse. He's a great chaos merchant. Yeah. All right, let's jump into who's eating good. Of course, served by Applebee's here at the Happy Hour Bar. And we start with two Packers. We kick off with Jordan Love, who's got the Bears. Obviously, as Lawrence highlighted, the Bears, unfortunately, not playing for anything except spoiling the Packers' playoff hopes here. For Barry this week, Lawrence, Jordan Love comes in as QB8. Uh, where do you have him, and can he keep a pretty good stretch run going against a defense with the Bears that they've completely figured this thing out since they traded for Montez Sweat? Yeah, um, I, I actually have him at QB6 this week, uh, and they'll be home. So 
Um, it's very simple for them. They've been rolling. You know, Love, he had a little lull in the middle of the season there, but from a totality standpoint, QB5 on the season on a points-per-game basis. Since Thanksgiving, he's been quarterback four on a points-per-game basis. I don't think uh, many expected this. Like, I had him at quarterback 15 coming in, so that's like a solid quarterback, too. But to see him do what he's done, I don't think he's ever had his full arsenal of weapons at one point together this whole season, and he just continues to make it happen. You see here in the game against the Vikings, He's, he's coming into the game with a rookie, Jaden Reed, as his best playmaker outside of Aaron Jones. But from a receiver standpoint, no Watson, no Wicks. He still goes in there and makes it happen. So the fact that he's getting these wins in crunch time when they have to have them, I expect them to keep eating good and eat right on into the playoffs. Jay, how do we evaluate someone like Jordan Love going into this offseason where – this year, he was kind of the fun, okay, he's going to be a first-year starter. You could take him outside the tw- top 12 quarterbacks, like you mm-hmm. said, Lawrence, and maybe you have something, and that's in the standard league. But obviously, it's going to be a little different for a guy that points-per-game basis is top five right now. I mean, he's at least going to be drafted as a top 10 quarterback and a starting QB1, maybe? I think so, and I think he has more to offer with his legs as well. We've right. seen that a little bit, think back to the New Orleans game in Week 2 where he effectively won that game with his rushing ability. But to me, Jordan Love is the weirdest quarterback in the NFL this season. Like, he is, by EPA per play, he's been the seventh best quarterback in the NFL. He's 13th by PFF grade. Statistically, he has been elite. But I just watch Jordan Love in these moments of madness and sometimes where he's just throwing off his back foot. And I don't know, Connor, you'd be a much better evaluator than me. Like, what do you think he is going forward? I think this is who he is. I think he's somebody that, number one, it's a very, in my opinion, well-designed offense by Matt LaFleur. They understand how to use the tight ends. When I think they've looked totally different when Christian Watson's healthy. Now, that's not a good indicator to lean on as hope for Jordan Love next year because the reality is in two years Christian Watson's almost never been healthy for a long stretch of time yeah but if they go out and they can get another talent at wide receiver or a guy like Jaden Reed who just set the Packers rookie record for receptions in a single season if those guys continue to grow Jordan Love's going to be fine and like you said Jay I think he's a little chaotic it's just his nature it's how he was at Utah State that's why some people were looking at him coming out and they're like man there's some this is crazy and everyone says this now about every quarterback but that Kyler Mahomes I'm going to roll out and throw off the back foot and throw on the run that's how he is and I think sometimes that brings out the best of him and in fantasy you don't really care about a guy making mistakes that way because the highs are so valuable yep and I think the thing with love and what tips it and why I think overall people should be pro-love, is that uh, his receiving core has just been decimated this yes. year. He hasn't had Christian Watson. Luke Musgrave's been on IR. He's relying on guys like you know Jaden Reed, who's a rookie, and Dontavian Wicks, yeah. and Romeo Dobbs, who's been up and down. So, And also his offensive line. Like, he hasn't had a Bakhtiari all season. So you add all that up. For whatever you think of Jordan Love, uh, and I think earlier in the season I was very low on Jordan Love and then came all the way in, and now it was uh, after yeah, the right. Giants game. But... I think that indisputably he's the guy next year, and that was their main, I guess, fact-finding yeah, mission for this A, a lot of the times this season, they would put up his stats next to Aaron Rodgers in their first year as a starter because they both did it the same way, wait a couple of years. But the difference between the two is Jordan Love here is, you know, he's got a chance to get them into the playoffs this first year, whereas to Aaron Rodgers wasn't so lucky in that sense. But those, you know, those off platform off the back foot throws it's like you live with that you look at him uh, against the Vikings 
I think two of his three touchdown passes was off the back foot and just having good ball placement there. So, and you mentioned Jay his his running ability. He hasn't done that as much this season, but it definitely is something that he did show uh, at Utah State. And perhaps next season, when he does, you know, have his full arsenal of weapons, you know, maybe we get that a little bit more. Obviously, quarterbacks tend to run more when it's uh, man coverage. So we move over one of those weapons in Jaden Reed, who, you know, right now has just been on a great run since he's had to take on a bigger role. Third most fantasy points per game among rookie wide receivers this season, Lawrence, behind Tank Dell and Puka Nakua. If you said that to somebody in August, they would assume Jackson Smith and Jigba, Jordan Addison, Quentin Johnston, Zay Flowers, whoever it may be. But the reality is Jaden Reed has kind of come out of nowhere for this team and been able to pick up a lot of slack, especially in target share and just the manufactured touches as well. Yeah, it's a great thing for Green Bay, too, that they're able to get him the ball at every level, even including behind the line of scrimmage and just let him go to work that way. Over the past three weeks, he's averaging 22 fantasy points per game, which is a top five receiver. So you love that there. The thing that's, you know, the thing that's helped him out was, you know, Christian Watson being out. It it gave him a chance to flourish. Uh, One thing to just note here, when Christian Watson does play, when he's active, Jaden Reed only averaged 2.4 fantasy points per game. So that's a thing that going forward we have to look at. But again, like you mentioned earlier, Christian Watson hasn't been uh, healthy for long. But you see here, this is the part of his game that we was kind of questioning. Can he get deep? He could be that guy again, every single level. Uh, of the field he's a factor to do damage to the defense he, he hit a career high so far in his young career in receiving yards with 89 yards if he didn't get hurt in that Minnesota game he would have had himself a day so yeah expect expect if the Green Bay receivers continue to be banged up expect Jaden Reed who he was banged up himself I don't think it's serious but expect him to keep on eating good right along with his quarterback yep kind of when this offense is fully formed next season, which we haven't really seen at all this year, when it's love behind a fully healthy offensive line, like how do these skill position players fit in between? We talk about Jaden Reed, it's like Debo Light, but how does he fit alongside Watson, Wicks, Dobbs, Musgrave? I think what's weird to me is Musgrave, to me, is a power slot. Like he's a tight end that's always, always should play off the line of scrimmage. He's not a blocker. He's a great straight-line speed athlete. But Reed is a guy that is a, tradi- a traditional slot. So I think they'll have to be very creative of how they balance that because you know a guy like Watson and even a guy like Wicks, you could ask them to play on the outside. So I think Reed's been so good since Watson's been out, Jay, that he's honestly forced their hand that there has to be a place for him on the yeah. field, even when they're fully healthy. Is Dobbs the odd man out? Yeah, I think so. And, and I would yeah. say going into next season, it'll be like if well, Dobbs will still be on the. All these guys will be on the roster because they're all on the young man contract right. still, and they get hurt a lot and, of these. A lot of these guys. Yeah, right. So you know, next year when it's time to draft. I expect Jaden Reed to be the first Packers receiver that you uh, take off the board because with Watson, it's those hamstrings, and you can't really, you know, you can't depend on it. They've they've actually said during the offseason they're going to, you know, do more research as to why he's having these problems with the hamstrings. So with the way Jaden Reed has been playing and how consistent he's been, I definitely expect him going into 2024 and when it's time to draft, he'll be the first Packers receiver we take. And not to mention, I know he's been hurt a lot this year, but Aaron Jones expected to be elsewhere next season, 
it's a lot more opportunity in this offense. That'll as be well. interesting too, because yeah. they, they would. If he's gone, they need a running back. Right, you're not just rolling it back with right. what they have behind them. You need a run. Yeah, you need something. Yep. And you think as well about how this the the changing complexion of the NFC North. Like next year, all those four teams might be really good. If you get Kirk Cousins back in Minnesota, what that offense, how they were rolling with Cousins, they were an elite offense with a really strong offensive line. Obviously, Justin Jefferson, you hope he plays a full season, uh, and a defense commandeered by Brian Flores. And then the Bears, the improvements they've made, and all the draft capital that they have. And then the Packers, who are on an upward trajectory, and their defense can only get better. It cannot get worse. And then you have the Lions, who, uh, if the rest make the right call, they're 12-4 and four right yeah. now, uh, and a two-seed in the NFC. So that division is looking pretty loaded now. All right, our last player here, James Conner. He's got the Seahawks. He comes in as RB10 for Barry this week, Lawrence. And Connor's been, I mean, the classic case of when he's healthy, a great value running back in fantasy this season. Yeah, and it's just not the, uh, not a flashy name, not a flashy player, but running back 15 on a points per game basis this year. Week 17, 28 rushes for 128 yards and a touchdown. And the Seahawks had the second worst rush defense over the last four weeks. So it's like if you are playing, um, if you're playing, fantasy football in week 18 James Conner could easily be a top 10 running back this week um, just because of the players who may or may not play CMC's already out we don't know what we'll see from uh, Kyron Williams here so those type of players being out that'll uh, that'll bump him up the ranks a little bit uh, although it's not as you, you see him here against the Eagles you see James Conner here catching a actual <laughs> touchdown pass well you know why folks because Philly has the worst pass defense in the NFL and they don't have that great run defense uh anymore either so yeah man I, for you know you got one more week of James Conner He's ate good sometimes and other times this the plate's been bare but uh uh week Week uh, week eighteen against a Rams team that's you know they good to go. I I like them this week. Yeah, and that touchdown reception has to be one of the longest and most impressive five yard receptions in NFL history because Kyler threw that for about twenty yards back. Uh, and I think that's the interesting thing with Connor because with him it's always been. You know he's going to get the rushing volume. You know he's good. It's one, does Kyler vulture him around the goal line? And then two, what can he actually add in the receiving game? Because he's had multiple games this year of just zero targets right. and multiple games of yeah. zero receptions, but he's also had games of five receptions. So is that something they can add into the offense going forward if he's going to be around there? And a correction, he's actually RB4 for Barry this week. So big expectations for Week 18, as Lawrence mentioned, against a struggling Seahawks run defense. Don't miss a doubleheader of Big Ten basketball in the Great Lakes State this Thursday. The action starts when Penn State takes on Michigan State at 6.30 p.m. Eastern, followed by a nightcap of Minnesota at Michigan at 9 p.m. Both matchups can be found exclusively on Peacock. For those of you playing for a fantasy title this weekend, how confident should you be in starting Tua, Derrick Henry, Terry McLaurin? Our answer is next. I'll keep it open. Close it out right after this. Bragging rights in the AFC East and playoff positioning is on the line when Josh Allen and the Bills travel to South Beach for a battle with Tyreek Hill and the Dolphins. The winner will claim the division crown, and the loser must hit the road in the wildcard round of the playoffs. Coverage of the Week 18 matchup begins at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on NBC and Peacock.
it's exactly what we uh, didn't need to do. Um, we didn't need a press. Um, and I say we, as in me, I didn't need a press and trying to force throws down the field um, that weren't there with certain looks. You know, should have just took the check downs and, um, yeah, just, just got to be better. With Tua on Keep It Open or Close It Out, Lawrence, he comes in as QB10 for Barry this week against the Bills. Where does Tua come in for you? And if you were playing in a Week 18 championship, would you feel comfortable starting him? Definitely. Um, and I have him at quarterback seven this week, so that obviously I'll be keeping it open. Um, you, you heard him mention, I don't need to press. That's hard, It's hard not to do when the guy on the other side is just scoring repeatedly, repeatedly, like ask Brock Purdy from the week before. Um, but this week against the Buffalo Bills, who they've only allowed one touchdown pass over the past four games, two of those quarterbacks was Mahomes and Prescott. But the other two was Bailey Zappi and Easton Stick. So in recent weeks, the Bills haven't been tested. You have to remember, too, Tyreek Hill dropped a critical touchdown pass this might be it right here no that's one that got caught um but Tyree Hill dropped the touchdown Chase Claypool uh dropped the touchdown so when you get behind by so many points you know you're gonna force those throws and try to make a play um he's got back-to-back games with 37 pass attempts for the first time this season hasn't been good recently fantasy but with this over under being at 50 um I'll take two of this week yeah, no, I agree. And look, Tua wasn't very good against Baltimore at the same time. It's a different game if Tyreek Hill catches that ball, which he catches 100 times out of 101. And also, I think like that fourth and five pass from Tua to Tyreek, that bomb, that's as good as you can throw that ball. Like Tua did yeah. have his moments in that game. And I think you raised the key point, Lawrence, the fact that like this is the total is 50. Like they, it's, it's, It should be a high-scoring game. And Tua, uh, just with the way that he has played all season, with still having Tyreek Hill out there, I think you have to start him. In a week where you're not guaranteed a ton of quarterback, yeah. right? Yeah. It, not, we it, don't know. And it, as far as the game goes, it might come down to who has the ball last. Right, <laughs> right. And how many games can you say that about this yeah. week? I mean, literally Colts, Texans, yep. maybe yeah. Falcons, Saints. Right. Like that's what, we're, yeah. that's what we're looking at right yeah, now. On a, on a lower scale for the Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah right. It's not even the same not, total. Not as much scoring. 100%. All right, our next one here, Tony Pollard against the Commanders. Jay, a great matchup for Pollard, but if you were riding and holding on to Pollard during the fantasy playoffs, it's it's kind of amazing if you got this far with him considering what he hasn't been able to do. Yeah, it's been brutal. The Detroit game was obviously not very good for Pollard. We would be talking about him completely differently if he just held on to that pass over the middle and he could have housed that for 50, 60 yards, whatever it was. But he didn't, and he dropped it. And it's been that kind of season for Tony Pollard at the same time. They're almost two touchdown favorites in this game over the Commanders. Now, the Commanders, their biggest weakness is through the air, but they're allowing so many points. The teams uh, can, there's going to be plenty of opportunity for Tony Pollard to get in the end zone, which he hasn't done a great deal of, but this is as favorable a matchup as you can think of in terms of a lopsided score. Yeah, I'm going to leave it open. Washington's allowed a rushing touchdown, allowed a touchdown to a running back in five straight games over the past four weeks. They've allowed the most fantasy points per game to running backs. Now, like you said, he does have trouble getting in that end zone, and we saw that versus Miami. But against this matchup and some of the backs that won't be playing, you can't turn the blind eye on him. I'll say this quickly about Pollard and Zeke. For the past two years, we kind of – 
not me included, but, you know, folks complained about Zeke, man. He's so slow. He only averaging 4.2 yards to carry. Pollard comes in, averages six, and now as the lead back, it's a different life. Tony Pollard averaging four yards a carry. So, you know, life kind of came at him fast this season. But against the Washington Commanders, he's going to get fast fantasy points. So we'll keep it open for Pollard. After what we saw this year, Lawrence, and obviously this could be complicated because Pollard's a free agent, a pending free agent. We don't know if he'll be back with Dallas, but say he was. How do you rank a guy that last summer, consensus second-round pick, somebody everybody was really excited for, Completely failed to meet expectations this year, but reality is he's a guy that should be a lead back somewhere, and it could even be somewhere like Dallas that has a successful powerhouse offense. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you what, Connor. I think we what his, his best football was when they had Zeke. So you got to get someone in there. Like, you, you see how Aaron Jones, is. he has A.J. Dillon behind yep. him. You got to get somebody in there like that to, you know, give a pound into the defense to where then Pollard comes in is he has that di- it's, that's why they say I don't know change your pace right. or, or, or whatever it just looks different um just give him somebody so he don't have to be like that guy like that uh hey Cowboys Dalvin Cook is out there you know just somebody to you know if you if you're watching and to you need a running back fall forward for a yard or two that, he's your Dalvin guy Cook can score yep. he'll score a touchdown he, he? May, he may not give you the 20 carries, uh, but uh, he'll score a touchdown. I think the disappointment with Pollard is also, I mean, choose your favorite disappointment about Tony Pollard this season. The lack of touchdowns, lack of explosiveness on the ground, but just his lack of work and efficiency as a receiver as well. Mm-hmm. I think back to that Minnesota game last year that they, what, what did they win that, like 40-3? to three? And Pollard was, from memory, 6 for 109 with a receiving touchdown like, as a receiver. And this year, he's stopped 37 receiving yards once in a game. He's only really taken one pass uh, all year that he absolutely uh, destroyed. I think in the Chargers game where he ran it for 60 yards or so. So that's just been another disappointment with Pollard. And so thinking back to that Minnesota game, I was thinking, is this guy just the best running back in football? And he just hasn't resembled that guy at all this year. In more running back disappointment, Derrick Henry is our next player. Lawrence, it's weird to see a year with Derrick Henry that he doesn't finish his Forget a top five, top ten running back, but top 15 running back. He's now under 45 rushing yards in three of his past four games. He's got Jacksonville in the final week of the season. Can you even consider starting Derrick Henry in this game? It will be quite scary uh, because you look at week 17, bad week. Then you look at week 16, he went 19 carries, 88 yards, touchdown. Hell, he threw one. He still does that, so... Those times have just come more few and far between. Uh, under 45 rushing yards in three of his past four games. Under 50% of the snaps in four of his past five games. So, I mean, and we see it. Tajay Spears, he's been eating into that all season. The, the Titans made it a point this year to get a, you know, a receiving back in there for him. Uh, what's crazy is he's the fifth leading rusher in the NFL. Um, but that's by sheer, sheer volume of carries against this uh, Jacksonville defense. Uh, I'm gonna have to, uh, I'm gonna have to close it out this week, even with all the running backs who may or may not play. Um, just too risky because he could have a 100-yard game. But if you're playing your Week 18 fantasy, do you want to risk it for that biscuit? I don't, I don't know if I could do that. And it, it, it's just too up and down. Yeah, I'd be closing it out on Henry at this point. I mean, 3.9 yards per carry, just nothing behind that O-line. Uh, and then the Jags' rush defense has been uh, pretty effective this season. 
One weird thing with Derrick Henry, he's third in the NFL among running backs in PFF grade. It's almost his PFF grade of almost 90. Meanwhile, he's averaging 3.9 yards per carry. Right. Do you think, kind of what you've seen, do you think he's he's done and that PFF grade is wrong, or do you think it's more the offensive line and there's just nothing he can do? I think it's uh, the answer always lies somewhere in the middle, but this time I would say about 70% of it is they might have the worst offensive yep. line in football. Yeah, like yeah. You, you think of them in the light of like teams like the Jets, what they haven't been able to do in front of Brees Hall, that, and Brees Hall's a lot younger, so sometimes yep. he can make miracles out of nothing. I still think Derrick Henry is an effective player in this league. It, it doesn't mean we think Derrick Henry is the guy from four years ago, like yeah, Arthur yeah. Smith's Derrick Henry. But yeah, I'm two, not writing him two, off next two year. Two years ago, I, I'd have said he's the best back. It Really, the second half of last season, I'm like, it's CMC. You know, um, he's, he's still got juice. It's not a good line like y'all mentioned. Um, it's not a good team. And look... The 3.9 is bad, but we just talked about Pollard, who, you know, we think is good. He's averaging four yards a carry, and they're still giving him the carry. So they they see that he's still got juice, but it's just it's not a good offense. You know where I'd want to see him next year? Dallas. Dallas. That's where I'd like to <laughs> That's see him. The, if you put him with Pollard, you'll see Pollard go back to right. averaging five and a half yards a carry. And let Derrick Henry average four yards carry. Put him in at the goal line because Pollard ain't going to get in. It's not him. Yeah. Derrick Henry will. So, yeah, that would be something. My uh, my answer always for where I would like to see a running back go is Baltimore. Right. Just because a lot has been made of you know, Lamar Jackson. He doesn't have MVP-level stats this season. And there's a lot of you know his impact that goes beyond the stats. And I agree with that to a point. The one area I definitely agree with that is Lamar has an impact on the, his non-quarterback runs that yes. makes it so much easier for running backs because of his gravity. And you think of Derrick Henry with him as the thunder to Keaton Mitchell's lightning, potentially. Derrick Henry just being a superior version of Gus Edwards in that role. I think that would be pretty cool. Our next player here, guys, Ty Chandler. He's been a fun story since he took over for Alexander Madison right now. But, Jay, only 57 combined rushing yards in his past two games. Is some of that flair kind of worn off the Ty Chandler Express here? Yeah, I think there was just the sugar high after the Cincinnati run defense. After where DJ Reader goes down, they already had a run defense. He runs all over them. His snaps have progressively gone down over the past three weeks. And it's just the, an opponent thing, too, where Detroit, terrible against the pass. Very good against the run. We saw Dallas could not do anything against them uh, through on the ground, but could do anything they wanted through the air. So I suspect that you know, regardless of who the quarterback is, I think that Minnesota are going to have to be throwing in this game. Yeah, um, you mentioned the snap share decreasing. It's went from 81% to 65 to now 56%. That's close to back to splitting with uh, Alexander Madison. And now you've seen single-digit fantasy points in three of the last four games. And you're right, it doesn't matter which quarterback they have um, because none of them are effective to, you know, having – to have a true positive effect on the running game against Cincinnati. Mullins was able to negotiate that ball up and down the field. You know, that works hand in hand with the run game. The past couple of games, they haven't had that. And you're definitely not going to have it against Detroit because against Detroit, you want to get it through the air as opposed to the ground. So I'm going to close it on Ty Chandler this week. But it was fun, though. We'll talk about another Minnesota Viking in just a second here. But before we do, as we move over to the pass catchers, Terry McLaurin against the Cowboys. He comes in as wide receiver 21 this week. That is an open for Matthew Barry Lawrence. Do you agree that Terry McLaurin against the Cowboys is a player that you have to continue to start? 
I'll say, I'll say yes. Two touchdowns in the last three games, by the way. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll keep that open. And my main thing, what I wanted to see, I wanted to see some type of, any type of success from Terry McLaurin with Sam Howell at quarterback. Because he may start again here. Uh, and he might as well start. Uh, but that's what you, this deep bar right here, that's what you wanted to see, the connection between him and Howell. Because as soon as Jacoby Brissett will come in the game, he's hitting up Terry McLaurin. For deep ball touchdowns and so now that we've seen it a week here with Sam Howell you could feel a little more confident going into this game um, he had 11 targets in his first game against Dallas this season uh, 10 plus yards per target in three straight games again Terry McLaurin known for getting them on the uh, deep passes so you know he scored two in two of his last three games got to keep it open for week 18. Yeah, no, I agree. I'd be keeping it open. And I think the key here is that, one, they're almost two touchdown underdogs. You'd expect that they will be throwing. Two, Dallas play a ton of man coverage as well, which I think will be beneficial for Terry McLaurin. Uh, whether it's Hal or Brissett, I think you keep it open. Someone who was holding a Miles Garrett Defensive Player of the Year ticket, I hope it is Brissett, so that Mike Parsons doesn't have three sacks of Sam Allen, <laughs> a division-clinching win, which I feel like is a little bit in play. But regardless, I think you're starting Terry McLaurin. Back to those Minnesota Vikings. Jordan Addison against the Lions, of course. He comes in as wide receiver 33, which is a close. But, Jay, you have to wonder, as we talked about with Ty Chandler in this Kevin O'Connell offense from Minnesota, is this a pass funnel situation that could benefit a guy like Addison? I think it's definitely in terms of a matchup. It's very favorable, uh, and that helps Addison. Like we mentioned, uh, this Detroit pass defense is basically just drawing dead. The run defense is excellent. At the same, same time, though, one, it seems like he might be playing hurt a little bit because he hurt himself when they played Detroit two weeks ago. And then also, and you see Matthew has Addison ranked as wide receiver 33. He just hasn't produced five straight games yeah. of single-digit fantasy points. He's just not the same guy as he was when he was really cooking without Justin Jefferson. For Jordan Addison, um, it's become like much like what we just said with Derrick Henry. Like Few and far between, uh, we get those, those good games. Uh, three of his past four games has been under 30 receiving yards. The matchup does look good, and I even like the 45-and-a-half game total here. So, obviously, with no uh, TJ Hawkinson, Jordan Addison's your second guy here. But uh, the uh, the Lions are getting a little healthier on that back end, too. Um, I'm going to close it out just because of the better options you may have. Uh, you see on the ranks there that Matthew had before. He had Drake London and Brandon Cook. I would start Brandon Cooks at this point. Uh, over Because if you're going to choose a number two receiver – on a team, choose a number two receiver on an offense that's humming, on an offense that has a top quarterback. And so you'll take a Brandon Cooks at this point over a Jordan Addison. He might be a close it out for this final week, but I'm excited about Addison next year, guys. Yeah. Number one, if Definitely. this is a team, whether they bring back Kirk Cousins, whether they draft a Michael Penix, something we were talking about before the show started, in Kevin O'Connell's offense, Hawkinson's probably not ready to start the year. No. That's a lot of target opportunity for a really talented young player that I don't want to say is yeah. going to be written off, but it doesn't feel like there's a lot of hype around Addison anymore. If, it, if, uh, if Kirk Cousins, because he got hurt not too long after just, you know, terrorizing the 49ers. Yeah. Right. Um, if Kirk Cousins doesn't get hurt, we probably will be talking about Jordan Addison in a different light because he hit the ground running. Uh, then when uh, 
Jefferson got hurt with the hamstring, like he stepped up in some spots. I think the the quarterback situation kind of made everything go down, and it's probably the reason why the Vikings are battling for this playoff spot where they are right now. Yeah, I think that's oh, what right. we forget with like, Kirk Cousins was playing at. Like, I didn't think Kirk Cousins was going to win MVP or anything, but I think he would have got some fifth place votes. The way as that well as Dak, playing. right? Yeah, or close to it. Exactly. So he was playing an extremely high level, and some of that was without Justin Jefferson. So I think that if he comes back, or if they get someone like Michael Penix and he comes in and he plays uh, you know, better than your typically rookie does, then I think this offense should be in a really good place next year because of that offensive line, because of the infrastructure. Our final pass catcher here, Dalton Kincaid against the Dolphins here, Lawrence. He comes in for various tight end 14, under 25 receiving yards in three of his past four games. This is somebody that... Remember in redrafts, I mean, he was looked at as a top ten yeah. tight end in yeah, terms of draft we, capital. We looked at it like, hey, is it Sam Laporta or, right. or Dalton Kincaid? Uh, a lot of people said Kincaid. Yeah, and you know, you no one would argue. Right? Yeah, it's not um, crazy. But especially that he he showed flashes that first half, but the second half of the season hasn't been great, especially since Dawson Knox returned. From the IR a few weeks ago, he's only been averaging. Kincaid has 5.4 fantasy points per game, which is good for tight end 32. You don't love that. Under eight fantasy points in three of his last four games. And, the, you know, it's like the offense as a whole hasn't been going crazy. We we talked about on this show for it seemed like three months now how Stefan Diggs can't even get a catch. But the Bills are winning games somehow. So, um, I'm going to close it out this week uh, under 60% of the snaps in three straight games as well. And that, again, alludes to, you know, Dawson Knox being back and in the game. They use both of these tight ends. Yep. The snaps going down is the biggest issue. And there's just – we don't have a sample of Kincaid producing alongside Knox. Now, on the positive side, this Miami defense, which was looking like a top-five unit going into that Baltimore game – now looks a lot less fearsome because one, they just gave up 56 points to Baltimore, so that's bad. And then two, they're now missing not just Jalen Phillips, but Bradley Chubb tears his ACL, Xavier Howard's not expected to play this week. All of a sudden, it's just a less fearsome defense, but you wouldn't trust Kincaid to produce given just the usage lately, so I'd close it out too. All right, you got to hear from Lawrence and Jay on their close it out or keep it open. Let's take a look at Matthews to recap the rankings here. Tua Tungavailoa comes in as QB10 against the Bills. That's an open. Tony Pollard against the Commanders at RB18. Going to keep that one open. Derrick Henry closed against Jacksonville as RB26. It's been a tough stretch for the King. Ty Chandler against the Lions. That's a close at RB30 after two tough weeks in the Lions' tough run defense. Terry McLaurin stays open against the Cowboys. He's wide receiver 21. Jordan Addison at wide receiver 33 against the Lions. That's a close. And finally, Dalton Kincaid, who has failed to produce over the last couple weeks is a close against the Dolphins at tight end 14. We are taking our last break, but when we're back, it's time for last call. Find out which sides and totals we're betting in the final week of the regular season right after this. Don't forget on DraftKings Sportsbook this season, new customers can bet $5 and pocket $150 in bonus bets instantly. Plus all customers can get a no sweat same game parlay every day. Download the app and use the promo code Barry when you sign up. 
DraftKings Sportsbook. Sportsbook. The, the crown, crown is yours. yours. Not feeling that, Lawrence? I should have got <laughs> in on that. I, should, I didn't know. Lawrence shot up <laughs> like somebody had infiltrated the studio. Last like, call. You looked around like, who's in here? What is that? Who are these people yelling this DraftKings line? Early line alert, as we do every Wednesday here with Lawrence joining us at the happy hour. Jay. What do you got your eye on in this, honestly, just a mess of a slate? Yes, got my eye on uh, the fighting kneecaps. The Detroit Lions, three-point favorites over the Vikings. The reason why I like Detroit in this, and I say this with affection, Dan Campbell's a madman. He's an absolute yeah, madman. He's, he's going to go all angry. out yeah. to win this game, to restore the roar, restore the vibes after the Dallas Restore defeat. the roar. I think he wants to get Minnesota, division rival, get them out of the playoffs, just have a win. Just restore the vibe after what happened in Dallas. What happened with Taylor Decker. So uh, I think he's going to go all out in a way that he probably shouldn't. Uh, but I think he will, and they will win this game at home and cover. Yeah, um, I'm looking at the game that ends the season. It ends right here on NBC Sunday Night Football. Uh, Buffalo Bills at Miami Dolphins. You see, we got Buffalo minus th- Buffalo minus three. Versus the Dolphins, we know what happened the first matchup earlier in the season. Blowout, 48-20 to 20, uh, in favor of the Bills. Uh, it wasn't quite like that. Mostert lost two fumbles. Two started pressing. Then he threw a pick. So you got three turnovers right there. In these past few weeks, now the most important thing that the Bills have done is they're winning these games. And the games against Dallas and the Chiefs, those are big wins against the Chargers and the Patriots. They won the game. I don't know if they were impressive in those in those wins. And the Dolphins coming down the stretch had them. They have a much more brutal schedule, beating Dallas, then playing the Ravens, and now they have to face the Bills. So the playoffs have kind of already started for Miami. The defense is banged up, like you said, Jay. But I don't think uh, the Bills defensively ha- have been tested in a few weeks from a point where the quarterback on the other end is a real threat. Like Bailey Zappi throwing three picks, one of them a pick six, and the Bills still won by only six. I think the Dolphins, I'm going to take them on the money line there. I'm even going to sprinkle something on Dolphins, Dolphins minus five and a half. I think they win by a touchdown. That's plus 275. I'll do that one on my own. But for the people, just go uh, just go Dolphins money line here. I think the... Uh, I think it should be clo- more closer to a pick just because the Dolphins have had like a a, a more uh, challenging schedule down the stretch as opposed to the Buffalo Bills, who they're winning the games, which is what they're supposed to do, and they're winning them in different ways. It's, it's not Josh Allen having to throw, and you like that, but just overall, I, I don't know, man. I think it's, I, like I said earlier, I think it's going to come down to who has the ball last, but Miami, it's been decades you know, since they've been able to be in a position like this, and this is their time to get it. Yeah, the Bills one of the harder teams to figure out in the league this year. I mean, we've seen them in dogfight against Easton yeah. Stick, and then we've seen them take care of business against Miami earlier in the year. Yeah, they absolutely destroyed Dallas as well a right. few weeks ago. But the thing is, for the infatuation with Joe Brady and the new offense and everything, this passing game hasn't looked right since the Philadelphia game. That was a long time ago. Like, Kansas City, Dallas... Chargers game, like they haven't looked right in the passing game, and a lot of that has been Stefan Diggs, I think. A lot of that has been leaning on the run game, but I do think that is a bit of a concern. At the same time, their defense has gotten a lot healthier, which is why they're favored in this game. 
All right, fellas, you either uh, die a hero or live long enough <laughs> to see yourself become a villain. For me, I'm going Patriots minus oh, two no. against the Jets. Oh, no. Listen to this. Listen to this. Oh, yeah, I've, and I've been sitting through all of them. How would you do that? In five games, Salah has coached against the Patriots. He has lost by an average of 15.4 points. Mm. 15.4 points. And he's starting Trevor Simeon. It's not like there's <laughs> more hope under center. or New England, The Jets want to run the ball at Brees Hall. New England has shut out the run for about seven weeks right now. This is yeah. they, they should be desperate. sitting Brees Hall. They should be. And should honestly, be let's not completely rule out the fact that this isn't the classic Brees 28-touch game. Yeah. Eight dump-offs and 20 carries. I don't even want to see that. I want to see him rest Gross. that man and just get him right for Totally 30 and a half in that yeah. game, which Should is very, be 24. Yeah. All right, that's it for us. For Lawrence, for Jay, I'm Connor. We will be back tomorrow at 12 p.m. Eastern time with The Champ. So <laughs> tune in on Peacock. See you tomorrow. <laughs>